Saturnalia. It's a Roman festival that they celebrated for hundreds of years leading up to 380 AD. During this festival, they were kind of celebrating, worshiping the Greek god Saturnus. And although Christians were persecuted in Rome at about 300 AD, Christianity had grown and flourished and spread and it became the religion uh, of Rome. And so the Christians kind of Christianized this Roman festival to this false god, Sadness. And although they removed the sadness part of worshiping a false god and, and they placed into it the worshiping Jesus, the God, they kept the, uh, they, they also brought in this gift giving to continue on. And they were giving gifts and celebrating because God had sent his son into this world to now offer salvation for men and women forever. So today, we want to talk about the greatest gift you'll ever get. Because you're going to get a lot of gifts, and gifts have been given and received, but this is the greatest gift you will ever get, the greatest gift that's ever been given in the history of the world. You see, the whole purpose of Christmas is summed up in a popular Bible verse found in John chapter 3, verse 16. It says, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So it says, God so loved the world. It all starts with love. Always has, always will. That he gave. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. And he gave his one and only son, Jesus. So God gave the first gift the most expensive, the most valuable gift. God gave the greatest gift in Jesus that first Christmas. All of God's gifts are wrapped in Jesus. God gave you Jesus, not because of who you are, but because of who he is. Exodus chapter 34, verse 6 says, The Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out, Yahweh the Lord. The God of compassion and mercy, I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. Romans 5.8 says, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. So this Christmas and Christmas shows every Christmas that God loves you unconditionally. No, we, we didn't ask for that. I did not ask for that. I, did, I didn't ask for God to love me. I didn't ask for God to forgive me. I was going about living my life the way I wanted to, and God found me. God drew me to him. God awakened me that there was a better way, and he was the way. He awakened me to this gift that I now call as my Lord and Savior, Jesus. Didn't even ask for it. Meaning while I was sinning, while I was living my life apart from him in a deplorable way, God showed me this. And he put into me that this was something that was valuable and necessary for me to know peace and joy and eternity and that I would value that. And he did that for me while I was living that way. See, that's called grace. Something I did not deserve and we don't deserve. Something I had not done anything to gain. It is simply undeserved kindness that was poured into my life. That's poured into our lives. That's what happened that Christmas, that first Christmas. You see, all we do, all I did was receive that great gift of Jesus. You might have heard it said that the spirit 
of Christmas is giving. And, and I would say, yeah, giving is a significant part of Christmas. But perhaps it would be more accurate to say that the spirit of Christmas is receiving. What I'm proposing to you today is that Jesus is the greatest gift of all, and in him you receive other gifts. In a sense, a gift that has a lot of gifts within it. Listen to what the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 32. Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? If God loved you enough, this is what the, the Apostle Paul, St. Paul is saying here. This is the logic within that verse. If God loved you so much to give you his only son, then doesn't he love you enough to also care for you, provide for you, and to give you other blessings and benefits in your life? Of course he does. And that's what happens when we receive the gift of Jesus from our heavenly father. And there are numerous gifts I think you can go through the New Testament and find 50 or 60 gifts stated in different forms of provisions, of spirituality, of emotional. But I want to talk to you today about a couple of those gifts. And first, I want you to know and I want you to believe that when you receive the greatest gift of all, Jesus, God gives you a new identity. The gift of a new identity. What a treasure the fastest growing crime in the world today is identity theft, right? And we're seeing that. Companies, large companies are having security breaches. Millions and millions of people's identities are stolen. And there's so many. And, and we see that kind, of, that kind of applies to our life, but in a different way, in a more personal way and in an intimate way. You see, there are many things people resources competing for our identity. And in a sense, our identity is sort of being stolen. It's being hijacked. We're no longer, or we are not, or you are not, what living out an identity as God designed you to be. Let me ask you a question. Where do you get your identity? From what do you get your identity? On what do you base who you think you are? It's a significant question. It's a question that when I answered, although not realizing at the time that I was answering it, but the way what was happening in my heart, and my mind, and my actions, that this, uh, this was being resolved in my life, made the most significant difference in my life 24 years ago. Most people get their identity from their work, their relationships, or things, if you will. You ask people who they are, and they'll say, well, I'm a plumber, I'm an electrician, a carpenter, a computer programmer, I, I work, uh, I'm a mom, I'm a student. They talk about who they are. That's what you do, it's not who you are. Some people try and gain their identity in relationships. You know, I'm a dad, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a grandmother, a grandfather, I, I, you know, or if they're, you know, I'm a boss, or, you know, well, I'm so-and-so's girlfriend or boyfriend, and that can get really ugly really fast, right? 
when we find our identity, what we're, what we're identifying with, how we see ourselves, how others see us, what we value, who we are, the core of, what we, of how we see ourselves, when we're talking, when we're having this narrative that's going on in our head, where it's all coming from is this what we identify with. So a relationship would not be something that we would want to gain our identity from, even a good one, let alone one where the other person doesn't know God, doesn't truly love us, doesn't have the same values that we have. It's not where we want to gain our identity. Some people gain their identity from, you know, that things. Their home or their bank account or their success in business. Hobbies, if you will. This is where they gain their identity. And here's the problem. Never ever base your identity on something that you could lose, something that's temporary. Money goes away. Beauty fades, huh? For me, not for Christy. She does a better job than I do. I was doing really good up until I hit about 40. Then I think she started catching up on me, you know? And then by the time I hit 50, now she's got me. But look, people pass on. Things just simply change. It's all temporary. The only thing that does not change, that cannot be taken away, that does not go away, is God's unconditional, unfailing love for you. And that's what that first Christmas was about. This Christmas, you want to receive the gift of your new identity from God, which he gives to you in the gift of Jesus. Listen to what the Bible says. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ... You've received Jesus, that's the big gift, has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. That's the identity, that's that gift in the gift. Jesus called this being born again. It's not just turning over a new leaf. It's so much more than that. It's a transformation. When you accept the big gift, Jesus gives you a new identity. Does that mean you're perfect, you're all good now, you're thinking all good things, you're doing all good things, there's no struggles? Absolutely not. It means you no longer identify with your past struggles. It means you are no longer identified with your sin. It means you are no longer find your identity in your past. That's what it means. This is a powerful, life-transforming way to be and to think. If you are not bought into this Christianity thing, I'm telling you, this is your buy-in now. That God is awakening you, and he is drawing you, and he is prompting your heart. And this is what he's calling you to, that you would identify yourself in the greatest gift, that being Jesus. And you would do it today. You would do it this Christmas. Some of you have been going in and out of church here and there trying to grab onto different things that might float your boat or, you know, might get you through the week. And, And it's right here. That Jesus would be your identity, not your past, not your struggles, not your issues, not your sin, not your failures. I've talked about my troubled past. I think I do it a lot more the last several weeks, few months, because we went from a church of, well, we've doubled. (laughs) We doubled in size in six months, so I want to get to know people, and that's one of the ways I do that. Um, You'll have plenty of time to tell me all about your troubled past over the coming months right, and years. But I've talked about that I had a difficult childhood and that resulted in my life being filled with depravity and and a a lot of uh, sinful and struggle ways that I had. It it dominated my life and it went that way well into my late 20s. 
I've talked about on different occasions that I had a father who overdosed from heroin when I was four years old. He was about 19 years old. His father, my grandfather, had already been dead by that time. I was raised by my mother, uh, my, my mother's parents, my nanny, my grandpa. My grandfather, who adored me, was an alcoholic till he was in his middle or late 40s. When my mother was born, he was an alcoholic. My grandfather's father, my great-grandfather, was an alcoholic, a mean and abusive alcoholic his whole life. My grandfather was raised in an orphanage. He took him out. He was an alcoholic, a drunken man when my grandfather was born and his birth. His mother died when he was born. The state took him, put him in an orphanage because his father, the state his father was in, his father took him out of the orphanage and it was just terrible and horrific and that led to him being an alcoholic. Three generations. I mean, it just sounds so messy, doesn't it? So convoluted, so much pain all those years, three generations of substance abuse, of alcohol abuse, of just abuse, violence, and depravity, child after child born to fathers addicted to alcohol, addicted to drugs, and not one of them there when their child is born. Not one of them there in a good place to, be, to take in one of the greatest things that could happen to a person, let alone man or woman, to see the birth of a child come in, huh? All this spans over a hundred years. And then a day comes, a day and a time, on December 24th, 1999, at 10.05 p.m., Justin Francis is born. My beautiful wife, Christy, gives birth to our first child, Justin Francis. And you know, at first I was just shocked, as any right-minded man would be. You know, to see my wife go through what she went through, to see her body do what it was doing, to see this thing coming out of her, I just was shocked. And I was displeased, I was confused, there was all sorts of things going on in me. I, it's a whole, I've talked about that, you know. Uh, to, I was totally at a disadvantage for all that, you know. But then I was in awe as I began to realize what was happening. And I walked over to Justin, sitting there in that little plastic tin there, and I just leaned over and I said, hi, Justin, it's your father. And what was happening there was I was saying, I am not on drugs. I am not abusing alcohol. I am not abusing your mother. I am not hurting anybody. I'm a good guy. And I'm going in the right direction, huh? And I When my great-grandfather, my grandfather, myself, so my great-grandfather, my grandfather, my father, and myself, when we all hit 18 years of age, we were all living deplorable and depraved lives, hurting ourselves and hurting people around us and people that we seemingly loved. Today, my son Justin turns 18 years old. He is not abusing alcohol. He is not abusing drugs. He's a good young man, you know? Considering I'm his dad, he's a good young man. He's not living a deplorable life. He's living a productive life. How? Why? What was it that overcame over a hundred years, four generations of depravity and abuse? I had a new identity. I'm telling you, get this. 
I had a new identity. I believed in 2 Corinthians 5.17. I got this to the core of my being. It says this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. See, I felt new when I received this gift of Jesus. I could now do things new in a different way. I could think new things, and I sensed I was doing that. I would now identify myself to this Jesus, to this faith. I was just a person. I wasn't better or less than anybody. I, I really believe I was a sinner saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. I still was a sinner, but now I didn't identify with my sin. I identified with the new thoughts, the new feelings, and the new actions. So much, and this was intentional. This part was intentional. So much did I identify with what God was doing going forward that I wouldn't talk about my past. So what I've told you right now, the first church I served in, I was there for eight years as a youth assistant pastor. The last Sunday that I spoke to the church, I told them what I told you. After eight years. After that, I went to Florida. and I was there for three years. And the last day I was on staff, I took the men out to lunch and women and the staff out to lunch, and I told them what I just told you for the first time after three years. It had been, I figured out this morning, 17 years had gone by in my walk with God before I would talk about what I shared with you today publicly. I would not do it, and I would rarely talk about it even privately. Why? Because that wasn't my identity anymore. I, my identity was in Christ now and what Jesus was doing in me and the way I was living my life and the way I was thinking. And I wanted people to see Dave. I didn't want them to see Brooklyn Dave and depraved Dave and deranged Dave and destructive Dave. I wanted them to see the Dave that trust in Jesus. And I wanted them to see that by the way I acted and the way I responded and the way I was. This was my new identity. This is what I identified. I identified with being honest. I identified with being sexually pure. I identified with staying away from drugs and alcohol and messing up my mind and killing myself. I identified with caring and doing good for people. I really identified with helping and caring and doing good for people. Because I spent so much time not. You see, that's the how and the why. That 18 years ago, when Justin was born, I'm in the place I was in, and that's the how and the why. Certainly, my wife has played an incredible part in that, but a significant part has been because of my new identity that Justin is here today, breaking all that generational mess, and now moving on to a life of being good and caring and kind to other people. Listen, in one way or another, whether it's the painful and sad, tragic events that have taken place in our lives, or even now, the abuses that come from such a life, they become an identity. They can become an identity more than you might realize. Sometimes even the manner in which we choose to overcome some of that difficulty becomes an identity or the manner in which we used to hide and run from it becomes an identity. Do you hear me? You can come also, maybe you didn't come from my unstable background. Maybe you came from a good, nurturing, stable background. You know, it doesn't have all that mess that I've discussed. I'm saying it's perfect, but it was a good, stable, loving family. And yet you can still suffer from a distortion in identity. I didn't 
I saw this. I've seen this over 24 years. As I've told you before, I was displaced and in the streets and, pe- and Christian people, as I called them, would took, would took me in to care for me. And so I got a good view of their homes and they were good and caring and stable, wonderful families. Yet over time, I've seen those children who I knew well, I've seen them kind of fade, not just only in their faith, but in their zeal for life and in the goodness that would come from them. I, I, I've seen them fizzle. I've seen them just actually just blow up, man, like, whoa! Like, that's something I would do. Like, what? They lost their identity. Maybe they began to identify with, you know, coming from that reputable, good family. Maybe they began to identify with the, maybe the unhealthy motivation to uh, uh, succeed and accomplish things. Because how do you explain? I, never, I never understood it. It would actually, there was a season where it rattled me to the bone. It really did. I had to seek counseling. Like, what's going on here? These people led me to Christ. These people were pillars. What is going on? I went to Bible college, and there, to this day, we look back now, and men and women who came from, I mean, reputable, well-known, uh, admired families fade, fizzle, blow up. And why? Well, again, maybe their identity was in, well, I'm going to be a minister. I'm going to be an evangelist. I'm going to do this. I'm going to have this church. I went to Bible college, and it actually asked me, I've told you before the question, what, are you, what ministry are you going into? What are you going to be? I'm like, listen, I don't want to be in ministry. <laughs> really, I'm not going into ministry. I just came here to know more about Jesus because that was my identity. Jesus plus nothing equals everything, Right? Don't let your family be your identity. Don't let your friends, good or bad, be your identity. Don't let your success or your wealth be your identity. Don't let your emotional or mental illness be your identity. Don't let your sin or your struggle become your identity. Don't let your failure define you. Don't let your faults define you. Don't let your fears define you. Today, this Christmas, this Christmas Eve, Believe God has given you, Jesus, the greatest gift of all. And in him you receive the gift of a new identity. You are a child of God. And that's because you receive and believe in the greatest gift given to this world, Jesus. God did not come to give you a religion this Christmas. He gave, he came to give you a relationship. I mentioned earlier the need to talk about two gifts we get to receive the gift of Jesus, when we receive the gift of Jesus, you not only get a new identity, but you get a new destiny. Worship team, why don't you come on up? We'll close out. You get a new destiny. Some gifts don't last. Some of my kids' gifts, although it's gotten a little better, by lunchtime it was done. And that would really irritate me. God says, here's a gift that's going to last forever. And you know those people who got that first gift 2,000 years ago and heard that message? Said, ah, and here we are over 2,000 years later, and the gift is still going, and it's still giving, and it's still changing lives, and it's still giving people new identities, and it gives a new destiny. It is the most significant of all gifts. It is why Jesus came to give you a new destiny. 
this gift of Jesus within it. It gives us eternity. It brings us to heaven. My grandfather, the one who I did, I adored him. Listen, for, you know what, for better or for worse, and, and he was a mess. He did stop drinking by the time I counted, you know, by the time I was born, he had stopped drinking. But I adored the man. I loved the man. He was a treasure to me. My grandfather today is in heaven. I watched the man receive Jesus as his greatest gift. I watched the man have a new identity. I watched him go from, in his late 80s, from speaking vulgar and dropping F-bombs and saying terrible things to being polite and saying God bless you and, and talking to God and praying. And that was an incredible thing for me to see, to God be the glory, yes? My grandfather got a new identity. My grandfather got a new destiny. And he's in heaven right now. And, and man, just how awesome is that? You get this gift, this new destiny, when you receive Jesus into your heart. Not as a sidelight to your life. Not as something that might fit in. Not something that you do traditionally here and there and you fit in. No, but into your heart, man. To the deep part of who you are. That you receive that as it was meant to be received. That's why God sent his son. Because he knew such an act of love would and should penetrate you to the depth of who you are. He knew that you would relate to that. You get this gift. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 4 says, And we have a priceless inheritance. That's the gift. An inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And all this comes packaged in Jesus. All this is wrapped in the package of Jesus Christ. Listen, as we close out, Jesus was and is God's glorious gift to the world, to you and I. Salvation was extended to us by God through Jesus. It's an indescribable gift. Why don't you stand with me? It's a gift because we didn't deserve it. It's a gift because, in a sense, and this might rub you we deserved eternal death, and he says, here's eternal life. Here's a way to escape that eternal death. Here's a way to escape and to be delivered from that false harmful identity, but it's a gift that you need to open. Do you hear me this morning? You need to unwrap and open this gift and receive this gift. Jesus Christ, the gift of God, is the only means by which you can escape all of that. It is the only means by which you will have true peace, peace, unthinkable peace. Acts chapter 4 verse 12 says, there is no other name under heaven but which Men and women can call upon to be saved. Jesus is the one way we find eternal life this Christmas, this Christmas Eve today. That's my prayer. That's my hope that you will receive this great gift that God has given to you in Jesus. That you will have a new identity and that you will have a new destiny in eternity. Will you bow your heads if you do not know this Jesus that I've known, if you do not know him in a way that I have where he's your identity, that he's your Lord and Savior, if you have not unwrapped this gift that God has given you, then today, with your head bowed, your eyes closed, and your heart open within yourself, cry out to God, God, thank you. Thank you for bringing me here today. Thank you for your mercy 
in enabling me and allowing me to be here. Thank you for sustaining me, for carrying me. Thank you for loving me today and by giving your son Jesus, who now I know today is my Lord and Savior, and today is my identity. God forgive me. God help me. God, I know you are with me, and God, today I know hope. In Jesus' name, amen.